back to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. This week on the show, we have Ben Parker, the nutritionist and the chef of the Gold Coast Suns. Before Gold Coast, Ben was a professional chef for 10 years and completed his degree in sports nutrition and dietetics. During his degree, he did internships with the Reds and the Queensland cricket team. Prior to commencing his career in the AFL, Ben was a dietitian chef for the AIS, the Australian Institute of Sport, Paddle Australia, the Dolphins Australian Swimming Team. When he's not doing the nutrition at the Gold Coast Suns, he can be found on training and competition camps with the likes of Novak Djokovic, Gary Ablett, Surfing Australia, Swimming Australia and Track Cycling. Before we start episode 32 of the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, our mission is to empower aspiring athletes and staff with practical knowledge with some of the industry's most inspiring individuals and to strengthen the AFL community. If you like the show, please show your support by liking us on Instagram, as well as subscribing to your favourite stream. We're on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. So bear with me, guys. I'm just going to invite Ben to join us for this live chat. If you've got a question for Ben as well, remember you can post your question by hitting the question button at the bottom of your screen. There he is. There you go, mate. Good. How about yourself? Good to see you again. Going really well. Good to see you as well, mate. You're in a you're in a beautiful spot. No, just quarantine, of course. <laughs> yeah, quarantining in northern New South Wales, waiting for the Queensland border to reopen. Right. Okay. Is there any news on that? Sorry, I'm a little bit out of the loop. But yeah. So it's reopening to Victoria on uh, from Saturday, from tomorrow night. Ah, fantastic. So you've done your stint. Oh, it looks like you've you've done well there. It's not a bad place to quarantine by the looks of it. Yeah, definitely better than being locked in a hotel room in the Brisbane summer. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think I saw you, it was a couple of days before the Open, mate. A successful campaign again for Djokovic and, and the and the whole team. Well done. Great result. Been, yep. Yeah, yeah thank fantastic. It was, yeah, everyone was absolutely stoked, as you can imagine. So, yeah, great result. Fantastic, mate. We'll get stuck into the questions. Let's start back at the beginning, mate. What age did you recognise you had a passion for nutrition and being a, a chef? Yeah, I think I was I was always interested in food as a young kid. I used to read the, read the nutrition labels on the back of, of packets and try and work out what all the numbers and all the words meant. So I was always had that curiosity and I was always into food and cooking. Yeah, so I went on to do a chefing apprenticeship out of school. And while I was working as a chef, I, I was um, always interested in like the science and the chemistry of what was going on with the food and how that worked. Yeah, so and at the same time, I was getting interested in training myself and changing body composition and sports and stuff like that. And I sort of, I had a feeling that like nutrition was a major part of it. And having experience and knowledge of food, it just seemed like a natural thing to go and study uh, nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I went up to, to did, did a degree in nutrition and dietetics at the University of the Sunshine Coast, which you know, I was very fortunate up there. There were some really good lecturers, one in particular, Gary Slater, who a lot of people in the nutrition world will know quite well, but he's involved in a lot of elite sports and the AIS. Mm-hmm. And so with him being there, he sort of like, uh, there was a lot of opportunities came up through the uni to do research projects and do extracurricular things and work with sports teams. And I was I was always, always put my hand up to, yep, I'll do that. Always first in line to go after class on uni holidays in the break, do extra, do what I could and put myself out there to get involved in those those extracurricular activities. And so through that, I got, got to get some pretty good experience with some high level sports nutrition research, got to work with some sporting teams. So, and, and basically I think the contacts that I met through doing those extra things and, and putting myself out there and sacrificing my free time as, as a student that's ultimately what led me to the opportunities that I got to, to work in elite sport as a, a graduated dietitian yeah fantastic yeah, you got to put yourself out there it definitely seems a trend amongst the guests I've had on this podcast hard workers from the very beginning when the student days is that something was that yeah. an intention of yours when you you know coming from 
you would have worked long hours, I imagine, as a professional chef. So did you sort of transfer that mindset to when you when you used to decide to study naturally too as well? No, you know, I think I was more of a learned thing. I think, yeah, definitely. I don't think anyone like just grows up as a hard worker, but definitely through doing a chefing apprenticeship, you get absolutely reamed and 12-hour days are nothing unusual. So I was definitely yeah, right. wasn't shy of hard work by the time I got to uni. But I think having already had that career as well and being a mature age student too, I've sort of really wanted to get something out of it and wanted to get value out of study. So I wasn't just kind of going through the motions. I had that intention. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I, I was the same. I, I went on a little bit later and I found the same experience because I, there was a clear purpose and a career in mind when doing the degree. Yeah, you have an intention and you want to get involved in, like you said, the extracurriculum activities. And that's where you get almost a, a lot of the development in a lot of ways. It's doing the extras. Absolutely. And I'm sure you wouldn't have got to where you got to and working at Hawthorne so early in your career had you not have put yourself out there and done that. And so you mentioned Gary. Slater with the Australian Interest Sport. Was that a connection? You may have mentioned it, but was that a AIS? Is there an affiliation with the uni that you're at, or did you have to go out and make that connection with Gary? So, yeah, was, he brought opportunities to the uni. Yep. Yep. And then obviously, having done opportunities with him, then that kind of snowballed meeting other high level sports nutrition professionals through that. And then, yeah, just one thing kind of leads to another. Yeah, gotcha. but he, he, I guess, opened the doors at first and then I sort of like grabbed the ball and ran with it. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And you mentioned you had a passion as well for self-experimenting with your own training. I know you've done some body sculpting, triathlons, boxing. So you've definitely dabbled with lots of different modalities. Was, was that for your own self uh, journey or were you doing that knowing that you wanted to work with elite athletes and you thought you would practice it on yourself first? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, jack of many trades and absolutely a master of none at all. <laughs> yeah. Good way to be no, for a I, practitioner. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Those that can't do teach, right? So, <laughs> but no, I definitely had that view of like, oh no, I experiment on myself and having had that, you can't relate to an athlete unless you've been through it yourself. So I think I'm doing that, I did amateur bodybuilding, like uh, natural bodybuilding early on in uni. And that's obviously all to do with diet manipulation. I tried all sorts of different things and all sorts of different strategies. And that was just a big experimentation. I never had any ambitions to be a great natural bodybuilder or anything. I was, yep. It was for the experimentation um, purposes. And then moving on to doing triathlon, same thing. I was just trying to implement the nutrition strategies I've been learning about at uni seeing what worked, seeing what it was like. And, and yeah, I learned heaps of valuable lessons through through going through that. So, yeah, you a practitioner working with the Gold Coast Suns with the boys. For those that are listening that might be developing footballers, what would be, yeah, if, if they want to gain muscle mass, which I imagine as a body, when you were doing body sculpting, you would, there would have been a phase where you were doing that. And then there would be a phase where you're trying to get lean and, and drop body fat, which same with footballers, they, they may have a goal to do that as well, dropping body fat. What would be some common tips and tricks that you give developing footballers to apply into their nutrition? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I think mostly for AFL, most guys want to maximize lean mass and essentially minimize the excess fat mass. You know, that's pr pretty much everyone is, is doing that in some capacity. Some are going to be more going harder on the paint uh, than others and, and more motivated. But certainly, I think for, for virtually everyone, that's, that's what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, so when it comes to muscle mass, I mean, really, we're talking about um, protein and optimizing your protein intake. That's the cornerstone of muscle mass, seeing as how muscle itself is made of protein. So I think most people get enough protein on a daily basis when you look at like two grams per kilo per day, which would be kind of a standard recommendation for a protein intake for an athlete. Mm -hmm. So maybe 100 and 160 odd grams uh, of protein. But I think you, if you really break it down, most people probably eat that lunch and dinner and that's it. So protein doesn't really work like that in that if we, if we take an excess of protein, 
at any given time. The body can only utilize so much and nitrogen itself is toxic to the body. So mm -hmm. basically protein, not to get too far into the weeds, but we, your body just breaks nitrogen off protein and then uses it, the calories that are left over for other purposes. So taking an excess of protein at any given meal is, isn't really beneficial. So what we want to do is get a nice even spread of protein over the day. And yep. so for most people, we're looking at a 30 to 40 gram serve three times a day, up to five times a day. So three being breakfast, lunch, dinner. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that should pretty much form the cornerstone of every athlete's diet. So most people, as I said, get enough at dinner and, and lunch. It might even be a case of having to eat a little less at those times. But mo not many people are getting a proper 30-gram serve at breakfast. So yeah. if, you're, if you're a young developing player, you're looking to optimize your muscle mass and get stronger, bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful. Yeah, you want to be trying to look at ways to get more protein at breakfast. So eggs and egg-based meals are great. Yogurt is obviously a great source of protein. Um, smoothies, I, I like to use a bit of um, whey protein and fortify a breakfast. So you can put, say, like a half a scoop or a scoop of whey protein, stir it in with some yogurt, mm -hmm. and then add on whatever other breakfast you're going to have or chuck, chuck it into a smoothie. But obviously, working with your individual taste preferences and what you like to eat, this overarching framework that we work with, but there's a thousand ways to implement it. So you're sure. not about trying to force something down that you don't enjoy. It's about trying to find a way to fit the foods that you like to eat into the framework. Yep. And then if you're really quite skinny and you're really trying to go hard, that's when I look at trying to push it up to that sort of five, five serves. And so to find an additional two serves, we might be looking at a, a post-workout hit of protein. So we look for another 40 grams there and probably another hit um, before bed. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. Yep. yeah. So, so that basically is like the, the cornerstone of an athlete's diet. So that should sort of be seven days a week, 365 days a year. And that's the kind of the goal. Three, three serves of protein, 30 to 40 grams a day. And again, if you're, if you're eating a lot more than that at a given meal, you might want to look at, uh, well, if you've got a lot of, if you're a big guy and you've got a big energy budget, well, that might be fine. But if you're displacing other nutrients on your plate, say carbohydrate, especially um, for AFL athletes, it might be a matter of actually reducing the amount of protein you're eating at dinner, trying to eat a slightly smaller serve so you can fit in some more carbs. Yeah, which sort of le leads into the next. So obviously protein is not everything, but once you get that right, then you're looking at getting enough calories to either gain or uh, to lose weight if you're, if you're carrying a bit of excess fat mass. So calories being the overarching thing that's going to drive increase in body or decrease in body mass mm -hmm. and so yeah ultimately we want to get most of our food like 80 percent of the time from minimally processed whole foods so vegetables whole grains and and particularly if you're an afl athlete you want to be eating a pretty high carbohydrate diet so an afl training and an afl game that's characterized by repeat sprint efforts a lot of running a lot of high intensity and for that sort of activity, we're burning um, carbohydrates as a primary fuel source. So making sure we're fueled up enough to get the most out of training is going to mean we're going to be eating quite a lot of carbohydrate in most cases. And why is the quality, you mentioned um, making sure you're getting your fuel from real food. Why is that benefit or what are some of the benefits compared to someone that gets, if you're eating 1,500 calories from real food and yet someone else, another athlete's eating 1,500 calories from packaged um, processed foods, what would be um, some of the benefits for someone that changed from process to, to eating real foods. Yeah. So, I mean, the way I see it is there's three major facets of nutrition, and that would be optimizing body composition, as we, we've spoke about a little bit already, fueling and recovery. And, and then like a big umbrella over all that is health and well-being. And so if you're not eating mostly whole minimally processed foods, you're not going to be getting enough fiber for one thing and the range of micronutrients that your body needs to, to function op optimally. I know myself and, and most of the athletes that I've worked with, 
you feel a lot better when you eat good food. You feel better about yourself. Your body functions better and you, know, you perform better as a result of that. And on top of that, you want to not just be a great footballer for 10 years, but you want to live a long and healthy life as well after football. So I think that while at the early stage of an athlete's career, we can move performance to the forefront. I think we should still have that overarching view of health and, and longevity ticking away in the background, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. It's a great message for, for people to listen to because I think from a physical point of view, it, you know, in a sense that it's an area that's probably not stagnated, but more or less people have appreciated strength training and conditioning and getting their body fit. But the nutrition side of things and lifestyle side of things is still a big gap with some athletes, especially developing ones. And you can hear things like calories and the importance of calories, but sometimes, like, like you mentioned there, a calorie isn't as equal to, they're not equal to each other depending on the quality and, and where you source your food. Is that something that you educate the boys at the Gold Coast Boys as well, is where to get your food from in terms of supermarkets and farmers markets and these sort of things? Yeah, definitely. And again, that, that comes down to the individual and kind of trying to work out where they're at and meet them where they're at. So people are going to have different um, ideologies around nutrition and food. People are going to value it differently. People have got different backgrounds, upbringings, different types of foods they like different levels of cooking experience, levels of shopping experience. So mm. being a dietitian, you've got to look at all those things and basically try and tease out what you, where each individual's at and then kind of get, give them what you think is going to be the, the biggest stick things that we can to change. If someone that's already really proficient in the kitchen, I'm probably not going to harp on too much about recipes and stuff like that. Whereas someone that's had mum and dad cook every meal for them and never been to the supermarket, well, we might be talking about specifically all right, what aisle to find things in, what to buy, what to look like, what brands. So again, it's zooming in, zooming out. Yep, finding that level of detail based on uh, what, what our different athletes need. Fantastic. Oh, that's really good. Th yeah, thank you for sharing practical things that people can take away and, and apply. So the importance of breakfast and, and spreading your protein over, over the day. You mentioned for the guys that really need to gain critical mass a bit more, the skinny players, both men and women getting in a protein hit before bed. Why is that important? And, and what would be an example of a meal to have before bed or before sleep? Yeah, so obviously sleep's where we recover. We train all day and the training in of itself is actually not what, what makes us great athletes. It's the adaptation and the recovery from the training itself. The training is, um, breaks our body down. And it's when we rest and sleep that our body's rebuilding, building us up a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, for forming new neurons and, and doing all that great stuff. It gets us a little bit better each day. So optimizing your recovery is, is critical. And basically, you're trying to breaking down your muscle. You want to build that back up overnight while you're sleeping. And so giving yourself uh, the substrate that you need, which is protein, right before you go to bed, flicks you into anabolism. And so you're building up muscle and just give, giving you that little extra boost. And there is some research that sort of suggests that there is a benefit to that pre-bed protein feeding on lean muscle mass over time. Yeah, so I think it's well advised. So in terms of the sorts of meals you can eat, again, that um, comes down to personal preference. It's not actually easy to find a protein meal uh, right before bed. So we do a lot of creative things. So smoothies, obviously a great option. It's, it's easy. You can do some what, whatever your favorite smoothie is, a scoop of protein uh, and you're set. Or another one I do is, so instead of like a smoothie, you do like almost like an acai bowl, but just mm -hmm. with really any frozen fruit, if you blend it up with not a lot of liquid, it makes almost like a ice cream or it's called, if you Google it, it's called nice cream online. Yeah. yeah. And so it's really easy to add in like some vanilla whey protein. It makes a nice cream. 
add in some protein and, and you can eat that as like a bowl of ice cream almost after dinner. If you make that, we say we always do strawberry and, and cherries. So there's some yeah, other benefits, obviously, with, the, with those antioxidants and micronutrients as well. And very little caloric density from the berries themselves. So you just add in your protein. You feel like you're eating a bowl of ice cream, but really you're not taking in a lot of excess calories. You're getting a hit of protein. Another one we do is uh, like a hot chocolate. So just mix up some like a normal hot chocolate. And then instead of milk, make up a thick like a vanilla protein and, yeah. and pour that in instead of milk. So you can pretty much use whey protein in place of milk in yeah. virtually any recipe. For those that don't know, whey protein actually is milk. It's just the, the, the protein fraction of dried milk is separated. So you, you can even use skim milk powder in place of protein powder in a lot of cases. So that opens up a, a few recipes. And then other things we've done in the past is like, um, uh, used to get a, like a plain jelly. It's called created jelly uh, from the supermarket. You can add in any liquid. It says, add your favorite drink and makes a jelly. So, well, my favorite drink's protein shake. Add a protein shake into that and set it and you get these cool little protein puddings. So yeah, I don't know, there's a few ideas. There's obviously a uh, hundred things you could do there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's trying to find what, what you like and, and not trying to force something down that you're not into, but trying to find something that you're going to actually look forward to eating. And for those maybe mature-based athletes or, or athletes that are in a good spot with their body composition and they're focusing more on nutrition for, for recovery and performance, not looking to make body composition change, does your advice differ and, and what does that look like? What are some of your conversations or tips for people that are in that space? Yeah. So in actual fact, I think when it comes to protein, I think that basically that foundation, it's not going to be an excessive amount of protein. It's going to be what I would call an optimal amount of protein. And unless you're actively trying to lose lean mass, which is pretty rare, there's not, not very many cases where it's going to be beneficial to actually try and actively lose lean mass. You, you pretty much want to optimize your protein. And so then basically what we do is based on whether you're trying to get gain or, or lose lose a bit, then you're adjusting the other nutrients around that. So in terms of, we spoke a little bit about eating lots of carbohydrate to fuel up for sessions. And so the, the framework I pretty much use is we think of protein as, as that kind of like cornerstone. And then we're looking at carbohydrate and vegetables as the two other fractions of food. So vegetables being like free vegetables and, and containing not a lot of calories and quite a lot of water, fiber, and substance. And carbohydrate, obviously, containing lots of fuel and energy. And so for guys that are trying to maintain or, or lose their weight, particularly non-training days, the main strategy I use is to increase the amount of vegetables in a meal. And so by filling up your plate with vegetables, you're displacing carbohydrate and caloric aspects of your meal, and but you're still eating a good-sized meal and filling up. So yeah, that's pretty much pretty much how we do it. Yeah, fantastic. And there's, you know, if you think about it, you can apply that framework to literally any meal you can think of contains some fraction of protein, carbohydrate, and vegetable. Yeah. yeah. So then it's about identifying where those are and then trying to either add in more vegetables into whatever you're making, like in bulk. You can't eat enough vegetables on non-training days or if it's like the night before a game, perhaps you're going to be pulling back on vegetables so you've got more room to eat more carbohydrate. Gotcha. Okay. And you mentioned, yeah, you've just recently completed a competition camp with Novak Djokovic and you've done many others with uh, world-class athletes. What, what is your role for, for those that aren't aware of what a nutritionist and a chef would be doing in those campaigns? What, what would you, what does a day look like for you? What is, what is the preparation look like? And yeah, maybe take us through a bit of a, a routine what your day looks like it's pretty exciting I, I know for me it's something that i was super engaged to learn about what you're doing in, in that three-week campaign with novak but all the rest as well all the other campaigns you've done with the swimmers and gary ablett you've had some great experiences there yeah so basically what, what i think with nutrition is what drives people's food choice a lot of the time isn't um, necessarily the conscious effort to eat a certain food or not 
it's what you in, encounter in your environment, right? If you w walk into the kitchen, you open the fridge, you're not going to eat something that's not in your fridge, right? So basically what I do on these camps is I set the environment up in a way in which it's, there's not a lot of thought has to go into the decision-making process of what an athlete eats. The way they, they walk into the, whether it's the kitchen, the dining room, the football club, they're going to interact with food in their environment in a way that's going to optimize their performance and gives them the strategic types of feeding things that we're trying to do there. Yeah. So in terms of uh, an intensive camp that I've just done with Novak for the last three weeks, pretty much breakfast, lunch, dinner, everything he eats, I'm preparing for him mm -hmm. and um, setting it up in a way in which that he doesn't have to think about it at all. So he's, he's coming down, he's got his ritual in the morning, comes through and I'll prepare the food so that he likes to make his own smoothie but I make sure that all the things that he needs to go in it at arm's reach. So just reducing the cognitive load and decision-making around yeah. nutrition. Yeah, that's pr pretty much the main main goal of it. Yeah, and then so all his energy on his, you know, his, the other areas of his game, the strategy and relaxing in his recovery. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, getting his body right, getting his mind right. And Would you do you uh, work just, closely with the with the whoever looks after his training loads? Like, is that something that you guys work, you're connected with and, and you'll, you'll change what's come at the upcoming meal due to the session that he's just had. And yeah. No, not really because obviously I'm only sort of a fly in for that, that particular camp and they've got their own system. Yeah. Yep. But on the other hand, his training load doesn't vary a great deal in competition. He trains every day and it's a light session and then he competes it on other days and obviously, yeah, eating around competition. So that varies a lot. But again, for him, tennis isn't as fuel demanding as an AFL game. So a more important thing for him is making sure that he's feeling good, feeling light, feeling healthy and psychologically ready when he when he plays a match. So obviously we are, you know, fueling him up and giving him enough carbohydrate, but at the same time it's all really clean, minimally processed, lots of vegetables, lots of feel-good foods, and lots of foods that are going to make him feel like he's done what he needs to do to get it right. Yeah. So feel-good could <laughs> could mean many different things to certain athletes, depending on where they're at and their perception of food. Like, obviously, he's not eating takeaway and garbage with, as a feel-good meal. He's eating foods that agree with his body. And what, what are those meals? What does what Novak like to eat? Is there any cheat meals after the game, or is it all purely around what's optimum? in terms of nutrition. Yeah, so I might have misused the word feel-good foods in that, but his idea and my idea of feel-good foods are feel foods that are going to make you feel good. <laughs> Not emotionally, but are going to make your body feel good. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, to me, that's like eating really, really clean stuff. So he, he loves heaps of fruit. He eats a ton of fruit in the morning. He eats a lot of vegetables, spinach, kale, a lot of herbs. For breakfast, he'll eat, sorry, for lunch, he'll eat steamed vegetables, a lot of rice, ginger, not, not a lot of sauces, not a lot of heavy stuff, not a lot of overly prepared stuff, real simple. And then he'll go into training and he'll eat just dates because he doesn't like processed foods. So he won't uh -huh. eat sugary type things and a lot of like coconut water and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. And then for dinner, we do all sorts of stuff. Again, it's all based around like good quality vegetables and the freshest produce. And it might be like a, a nice curry. For example, vegetable curry, rice, always salads, always vegetable soups. Yep. Or we might do some Italian dishes or stuff like that. Fantastic. Yes. Oh, no, that was it. I just wanted to touch on that point that, yeah, feel good could be misinterpreted in terms of, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's feel good in terms of what's good for your body. Not, yeah, like you touched on the emotional feel good component to, to food. Um, yeah, good, good pick up there. I posted something like that the other day on um, my Facebook story and I, I had a picture of his breakfast. It was uh, a big fruit platter a lot of vegetables, some oats and dates and some um, fresh juices, uh, vegetable juices. 
and it just looks beautiful and healthy. And I said in my post, um, if you if your main objective was to feel as good as you possibly could, what would you eat? Yeah. And that's when everyone chimed in with, well, beer, KFC, chocolate, <laughs> donuts. Yeah, right. Interesting. <laughs> so I should have uh, had the caveat that you have to feel good and continue to feel good day after day after day just, and maintain yes. it. <laughs> the bite, the bite. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's awesome. And, and so where would he or, or any of these athletes, is it your role to source the produce? You mentioned that it's, it's, at, it's precious. Are you connected to farmers? Like how does, how does that process work? How do you get the produce in to prepare? Um, yeah, so I kind of have to work that out on the fly based on where I'm at. So fortunately in Melbourne, as you probably know, there's a, a plethora of great quality markets everywhere. So I spent the first week each day, I went to a different one and just checked out the produce, tried to, tried to find which ones I found um, were the best and, and searched around a lot. And then towards the end, I got, got, got my places and I knew where to find, find the good quality stuff. So yeah, it's a, fe- it's a feeling out process. And then up at the Suns, I have my regular suppliers and so we, we work through it that way. But yeah, absolutely, I'm, I'm involved in that and that's you know, a critical part of, if you've got great produce, you don't have to do a lot to it to make it uh, delicious. Yeah, and, w- and what's your take on organic biodynamic regular commercial food do you have a you know, do you have a, an opinion on that matter i think it's good to minimize your intake of chemicals and pesticides and stuff like that i don't know how good of a job organic does at that i think in a lot of cases they just use different types of organic pesticides and, and stuff like that so i'm not overly fussy and i'm not overly fussed on organic to be honest i feel like a lot of especially organic stuff that you find in supermarkets is just a bit of a money spinner Right, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, ideally you'd get fresh produce out of your garden or someone would grow it. But I think without that, it's hard to kind of guarantee uh, the quality. And I think that fruits and vegetables are so healthy that even just standard stuff, you should never avoid it just because it's not organic. Or or what you should do is wash it thoroughly. So a great saying I always think of from uh, Michael Greger is the solution to pollution is dilution. So (laughs) you've got some some pesticides on your vegetables, no doubt. I wouldn't eat that straight off the shelf. Definitely wash it in a big big tub of water and soak it and give it a good rub, let it dry out. And I think that that's going to, in most cases, minimise your exposure. To, to those sort of chemicals. And as we know, that it's a dose that makes the poison when it comes to poisons. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, so yeah, so overall, eat plenty of vegetables, eat plenty of fruits, uh, and when you can, grow your own or, or go to local farmers markets and locally sourced foods. Don't get too caught up in organic and non-organic sort of food when it comes to veggies and fruits. Absolutely. Any vegetable is better than no vegetable. That's, yeah, that's yeah. really my, my feeling, yeah. Yeah, love it. Okay, we're getting close to sort of the end now. You, you've worked with yeah people at the, in the world class level as well as obviously looking after the Gold Coast boys, where you're nutritious, but also you prepare their their meals. Like you said, you set up their environment for success. The Footy Club. What what are some things that you've learned from from these athletes that you now you know, when a new player is drafted to the club, or if you're working at a camp with young developing players or even older guys that maybe haven't spent energy on nutrition? What are some big bang for buck? sort of knowledge points to start with when it comes to the, the important things and, and the basics? Yeah, so I think in my experience, the best athletes adopt the athlete lifestyle. It's, it's not enough to just go to training and do your training and expect that you're going to compete at the highest possible level and that you're going to be the best athlete in any given field. There's a lot more to it than that. You've got to be living a lifestyle that's conducive to your goal 
and you've got to be recovering hard from your training. You've got to be doing all the mobility, stretching, all the recovery things outside of that. You need to be looking and thinking about your nutrition, which which really means preparing your own food as well. And you also need to be doing probably some mental work as well, whether that's mindfulness, meditation. Now, I'm not saying like everyone's going to have a different formula and different things are going to work better for you know different people. But I think uh, the, be- the best athletes that I've, I've uh, had the chance to work with I've, I've always lived it as a lifestyle. And that's not to say that you've got to be a monk and do a tower somewhere and meditate all day. It's about finding that balance. And so you can have your fun, but it, I think the best guys know when it's time to get to work and when it's time to let your hair down. And, and I think fi- that's the kind of the art, I think, especially especially for football players and, and for young developing guys, I, I think that that's a time generally to get to work and then obviously come, come off season and time and a place for, for celebration. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, mate, for jumping on. What are you um, most excited about for, for 2021? What's on the horizon for you? I mean, obviously Gold Coast Suns, we've got a great side this year. So I'm pretty excited to get the season rolling with them and start going to some games. Hopefully uh, we can do a fair bit of back to normal travel and, yeah. and get around and, and get a bit more success than, than what we did in previous years. So I'm feeling, feeling pretty confident in that realm. Fantastic. And then I guess also personally, I've got to the Olympics in Tokyo to look forward to. So I'm going there with the surfing team. So hopefully that all comes off again. It's a bit of a day-by-day world that we live in at the moment. So yeah, we'll what is the latest? I it's, so it's still on the cards, obviously. What, which way are you leaning? What's your at this stage? It looks like it's going ahead at any cost. So, okay, good sign. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, hopefully the AFL season does the same. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sounds like it. I saw today. Yeah, MCG's preparing for fifty percent of crowds. So yeah, it's exciting times. Things are going back to some sort of normality. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Like you said, yeah. day by day. By day. Ah, oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it, Ben. It was great to catch up the other day in the gym as well. As And, uh, yeah, really good. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences, tips and tricks for, for those that are watching. I know I've learned bucket loads with all the gems that you've dropped as well as I'm sure all um, staff and people watching this as well as particularly the developing footballers got a hell of a lot out of it. So thank you very much from behalf of myself as well as everyone that was watching. That was great, mate. Yeah, thanks, Jack. It's been a pleasure and that's a great thing that you're doing here. I've been uh, loving your podcast since I discovered it. And uh, yeah, you're putting out some great content. So you're creating a lot of value for for those practitioners. It's great for us to get to see what everyone else is uh, doing and what they feel about things. And as you said, it's invaluable, I think, for those developing footballers to to get a bit of a feel for what's the, 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 you know, thought behind the the madness, I guess. So yeah, keep doing what you're doing. It's awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. We'll catch up soon. All the best. Cheers, talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks, guys, for watching. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode to join over a thousand footballers by subscribing to our website, preparelikeapro.com. You'll receive a free strength and conditioning program for a week to get an idea of how we do things, as well as some high performance presentations from our coaches, our strength and conditioning coaches. If you want to work with one of the coaches at Prepare Like a Pro, make sure to email us at support at preparelikeapro.com. We have one-on-one coaching options for those based in Victoria, or we have online training programs and consultations via Zoom. So you can work with us if you're outside of Victoria. So thanks for watching, guys. Really appreciate the support. Make sure to subscribe to our uh, podcast. We're on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you. Peace.